I really want to understand what Main Street is all about. But at the core of it, why did you start it? For that second question, I was saying I don't have much of an answer. You know, like you said, you don't know much about shoes, and you know a little bit about business. I don't know much about either. Okay, picking up something which you just said that people have blind trust on you. Fundamentally, how do you build that blind trust, especially in a community? So I've seen the range of products. It, Anywhere from a 5k, which is okay, to to an 8 lakh rupee shoe, right? So even more, you know, we sold shoes for 12 lakhs and so on. Um, I think it starts with communication. The sneaker culture and lifestyle is on a huge rise from the last couple of years, and today we talked to Vedant Lamba, standing at the forefront of all of this. His company, Main Street, is a very, very well-known brand in this small but very, very well-connected ecosystem. Today, in this episode of the CNTC show, I personally learned a lot about the sneaker culture. What is the buzz all about? क्या है वाई शुड यू केयर एंड वाई दे आर डिसरप्टिंग द मार्केट विद देर इनक्रेडिबल कम्युनिटी आई होप यू एंजॉय दिस एपिसोड ही इज अ रियली चिल गाई लर्न अलॉट फ्रॉम हिम नॉट जस्ट अबाउट द स्नीक कल्चर बट अलॉट अबाउट हाउ डू यू रन अ बिजनेस हाउ डू यू डू ऑन्टरप्रिनशिप बहुत इंटरेस्टिंग एपिसोड है डू लुक आउट फॉर इट लाइक शेयर सब्सक्राइब यू नो द ड्रिल Enjoy the episode. Hi, Vedant. Welcome to the CNTC show. How are you doing? I'm good, dude. You tell me what's up. All good, man. So good to have you here. Firstly, congratulations on the new store. Really good to hear the progress, the growth. Thank you, man. Uh, it's a very exciting time for us. I'm pumped. Before I do like a podcast episode, I always sit down. I always research, see what my you know what my guest deeply does, what their business is all about. But this time, I was just and I'm going to be completely honest and very transparent here. I was a little like, hmm. This is this is out of my comfort zone. Like I have no clue about the sneaker culture. Um, while I may have some clue about how businesses are run, this is a completely new space for me. So I think a big disclaimer would be that I this this podcast is a personal learning session for me, where I'm gonna take a lot of gain from you on how what is the hype all about, what is the business all about. So let's let's start from the basics. I really want to understand what Main Street is all about. But at the core of it, why did you start it? For that second question, I was saying I don't have much of an answer. You know, like you said, you don't know much about shoes, and you know a little bit about business. I don't know much about either. So I was—I don't think I was the right person to start it. But I came across the world of sneakers as a complete outsider. I wasn't raised on the culture of spending heavy on shoes or any sort of like fashion consumerism per se. I was not really a fashion enthusiast. None of that. I built—I developed into one. I was very fascinated by, um, you know, just the idea of sophistication and style, and then it built into understanding what trends are and just being urban and young and a lot of that whole subculture is very appealing and it seemed great. Definitely didn't have the spending power to interact, uh, but it seemed extremely interesting to me because I then saw, and this is just my perspective, I saw sneakers playing as financial instruments. I saw the opportunity that. A lot of people were harping on to make money off of shoes. More importantly, as soon as I saw that, I also looked around and I was like, "Wow, there's none of this in India," and that seemed like the biggest gap. At that point, I had maybe started uh, five or ten different businesses, and you know, I say started a business as if it really built into a business, but I had ideas five or ten that I chose to put a little bit of time into, so to speak. And the goal was like there had basically been this little void in my head that I'd built. 
from the time I was maybe 10 or 11 years, it was a hunt for an opportunity that could be like a, you know, that that had a bunch of uh, boxes in my head that I wanted to fill, that it's scalable, it's uh, new, it's, uh, you know, it's just had a bunch of these things that weren't even properly defined. And I felt like the sneaker thing just filled it entirely. That, okay, it was an opportunity to build something new, fast, scalable, status deriving, high ASP. And now I look back, I'm like, okay, this is why, like, it seemed so exciting to me. But to give you an idea of what sneaker culture is, uh, what you see around the craze is essentially limited edition shoes that are being treated as collectibles. It's just a, it's a, it's hype around collectibles that might not have come your way, but it's collectibles that are used. So it's, you're interacting with a certain asset class that has, like, underlying use case so it i don't know how familiar you are with the world of pokemon cards now that it's hype a lot more people would know about it if it was very common to wear a pokemon card on your neck or it was pokemon t-shirts instead then it would become a status thing for people to just wear it but because you buy a pokemon card and you keep it at home and only people who know about it will know and you know you can't derive that external status from it, it hasn't become as mainstream Similarly, there's a big subculture around radio-controlled cars and radio-controlled planes that only people deep in that subculture will know because it's a very private thing. You don't walk around with that radio-controlled car. On the other hand, a very non-car enthusiast will be driving a GLS Maybach. Even if he doesn't know what engine it has or how many, you know, uh, cylinders it has or whatever, but because he has the money. That is why you are seeing sneaker culture. Is because it has that underlying use case. What's the tangible value though? For example, so I see that at, at Main Street, you're reselling a lot of exclusive uh, shoes, exclusive merchandise, exclusive clothing items. But what's the tangible value after, let's say I use it? Because like it's, it's something which people tangibly use and it deteriorates with time. So let's say I purchase um, like an exclusive shoe from Main Street and a year later, what's the tangible value? Does it grow? Does it remain the same or does it you know, come down. So a majority of the trading hype that you see is in brand new product. Uh, the usage of these products is very similar to cars that uh, as soon as you're out the showroom, it depreciates in value by around 30%. Uh, it can then if the original item in the car does go up in value, maybe the price that you paid for a brand new item and then use it and the price went up so much that even a used product price has gone up what you paid that happens very often. You know, you got it at the retail price or whatever and it's sold out and then you use it, but it's still worth more. Uh, is there a direct tangible value? No, it's always a negotiation. It's like it's like valuing a company. You know, you can look at a lot of data points, but at the end of the day, it's, it boils down to what your buyer sees in it and what they are willing to pay for it. You can put a market value on it, but in theory, that's all in theory. Until someone is paying you hard cash for it, you know, there's no real tangible value to it. Until... You know, there are trading platforms globally like StockX and a lot uh, and Goat and all of that, which take pre-authorized bids from buyers. So those are locked purchases on specific items that haven't gone through. So you can look at that and then place tangible value using that data that, okay, this item can be worth this price because so many people are willing to pay this price for it. And they have committed that a seller, if I have the shoe in this size, I can see that someone has offered X price for it. I can go accept that money immediately. That in some sense, gives these items certain tangible value. How do you source them? Because I've seen there's a there's a selling button on the website, but, but what, what else? How do you get these exclusive items? So we're a platform. 
Main Street as a business started with the goal of looking around saying, oh, there's no sneaker culture. Let's build it. Now, how to build it was the next question. How to build it became, uh, you know, that was our why. Why are you doing this? Because we wanted to build sneaker culture. And how you do it. And then it becomes what you do. How you do it, you're thinking, okay, content and commerce. And what do you do? Main Street TV, Main Street Marketplace. Uh, so we first started as a YouTube channel. We had no money. <laughs> we first wanted to start a sneaker store. Then we realized that, shit, you need money to start a sneaker store. Uh, and then like, okay, you know, what can we do without money is make YouTube videos. Uh, after already having massive failure on YouTube, I was like, let's do another YouTube channel. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> and we started a YouTube channel. Right. Um, while it didn't blow up from like numbers standpoint, what it do, what it did do for us was um, connect us to the sneaker community in a very short period of time because no one mm-hmm. else was doing it. So right. we suddenly just met the entirety, pretty much the entirety of a very small community. It was very fulfilling. Then we started a store. And store also was a platform business model because we didn't have the money to buy shoes ourselves. Right. <laughs> it was okay, you know, we have a little bit of an audience. We'll tell them to sell their shoes and we'll sell it for them. And we'll take a commission because that's the hmm. cheapest business we can run. And no, we have absolutely no money. Like right. one one item here is 30, 40,000 rupees. It's like too far-fetched. Just good night. We'll just start um, whatever we can do. And that's how the business basically started. Hmm. And it shaped from there. And uh, yeah, how we source is we have, we buy from the community and we help sellers sell on us. And slowly, slowly we'll absorb. The idea was first, okay, this is what we want to do. It was how to do this, you know, became... We had to we had to do a little bit of every profit we made started buying because the community of buyers was so small they needed some sort of ready offering. So we did start buying little 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 with each profit and curated a collection. And the goal is always build as many buyers as possible. India has a lack of buyers, so our content was also a customer acquisition funnel. It's the top of our customer acquisition funnel. Hmm. And as we had more and more buyers, then we started becoming less of sellers ourselves and became more platform, more platform, more platform. You know, now we facilitate sales for over 500 sellers in the country. In a community of probably three to 5,000 sellers, we have about 10% sellers selling with us is what I'd say. And that is, you know, something that makes me very happy. And we're only looking to grow that from here. So all of our sourcing happens from sellers. These sellers are sneakerheads. All sneakerheads. All sneakerheads. So it's, it's from one sneakerhead to another. From one collector to another. From one sneakerhead who's using it as a financial instrument to another who's using it as fashion. Uh, our goal is to get as many shoes to end consumers, which is why you'll see we're usually the most expensive on the market because we're delivering that last mile. We are not facilitating trade between traders who are buying and selling for market value. We are most times selling to end consumer. Most time when we sell a shoe, it goes onto someone's feet. Okay. So as somebody who probably doesn't know a lot about this community, if I want to get started and if I, if I have, let's say, X amount of money, how would you introduce me to all these, um, you know, names in the industry? Like a, like if I want to get started with a Yeezy or a Jordan or wh- what would you recommend that these are some terms that you should know? These are some things that you should know before stepping into, let's say, a Main Street shop you gotta go do your research man it's like investing in the stock market you know like it's you don't want to do this tip oriented you do tips you lose a lot of money you gotta do your own research and prep your own risk it takes time but once your fundamental analysis on this is set you basically learn to speak a language so you know a few things that everyone knows are dead stock vnds is very near dead stock basically means pre-owned there's two things as either brand new or pre-owned if you're buying for yourself then, you know, at the start, like I'd 10 on 10 advocate buying pre-owned product. I think it's great for the environment. It's excellent. Uh, you know, in general, you get a great deal, save a lot of money, it makes a lot of sense. 
and then i would recommend buying a pre owned item what do you want now this taste is very personal you don't ever want to take someone's recommendation you have to see what really you like what you sync with follow enough people who are into it see what you really enjoy and your taste will evolve it will always evolve if you have limited money i would always advise rotating so you buy a pre owned item and then you sell it and because you're buying pre owned selling pre owned depreciation is very negligible you can almost always have no loss and you know keep getting something new and as your taste develops and then you start collecting one by one brand new items just because you i don't know depending on how much money you make you make a lot of money so i'm sure you can <laughs> just go buy brand new what i what i get is that trust is really critical in in a business like this because uh fix i mean i don't know so i've i've seen all these apps that you can use to detect what a what a fake shoe is you can probably google that these check these 20 things but do people even check these things or 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 a larger or a macro question is if if you are wearing a shoe honestly i wouldn't care man i would i would trust that vedant is wearing vedant owns mean street he must be wearing an original shoe as completely fair checking is a more of a personal prerogative right it's not so much weight when someone else is wearing although that happens a lot because uh, it's a big deal right you busted like not me but if some celebrity is wearing like a fake a lot of people are oh busted this one and even if it's not even if they they spot some anomaly in the shoe they be like oh this guy is fake it's very easy to hate so there's a lot of hate in this community also uh with us uh, whenever someone's buying they all most times within the community they're always doing their own checks which is good it's very healthy we have passed fakes we've pa- we, you know we process some of the highest volume of orders in india we've definitely passed fakes i think it's been maybe a year since the last time we passed a fake because that was the time we were really scaling in the lockdown so there was you know slip ups uh it's a very small volume i'm really glad that we caught on to them but we're very against it 90% of our consumers have blind trust in us and we don't want to take that for granted in the past we have made mistakes we're very open about it we've admitted it uh and you know we've acquired a certain amount of hate for it also there is because uh, we also sell product for more for because we're selling the most expensive in the community because we sell to end consumers and we have you know we've got a business operation to run we have certain value that we place on our services and we're very clear about it basis that we've acquired quite a bit of hate from the community because they take this and they put it together with a few small mistakes that we've made and it builds into the story and you know it's it's quite annoying sometimes and it sucks but you know we have a lot of fulfillment from our loyal customers who still have that you know that they have that trust in us and the belief in us and they know why they why they shop with us okay picking up something which you just said that people have blind trust on you fundamentally how do you build that blind trust especially in a community you have so i've seen the range of products it anywhere from a 5k which is okay to to an 8 lakh rupee shoe right so even more you know we sold shoes for 12 lakhs and so on um i think it starts with communication uh it starts with uh con- a connection so content builds that connection for us it lays the groundwork and then it boils down to how much you do how much you do without expectation so you know while we have made our mistakes are you know and it feels so weird to say the people who shop with us because those people don't even like it doesn't feel like a customer anymore they like we have a tight knit community of like our main street like you know our clients it's just weird to say clients because they're basically like family to us at this point um and they know what we've done to take care of them to pay back the trust that they've put into us you know it's not hard to convince someone to take a chance on you but for someone to keep that trust is what's everything 
so while there's a few people who've had bad experience and you we made our mistakes there's countless people who we've done you know we moved heaven and earth for to make them happy and they know it and they value it and they also like keep it back and that is what the real fulfillment in this whole situation is and what keeps us going building trust is big parts involves being vulnerable involves being open involves being transparent involves um you know giving without expectation so when we go over and above we're not like hey we're invoicing you for this extra work what what is this over and above work someone wants something and uh, hey i'll pay for it next week okay you know we'll send it we'll send it to you anyway or you know we'll buy it for you before the seller sells it you know we'll ship it to you because you need it right now oh i need this tomorrow but it's 11 pm oh i need it to wear it to something important tomorrow okay we'll we'll go open the store right now and come hand deliver it to you you know at a stage when we're making we're making 3 400 other sales in that month if each sale is just taken care of like that that oh i i i don't know if it'll fit me okay we'll come home and let you try it on so we make sure that it's still in good condition for expensive shoes or even that hey i don't know if i can come to bandra okay we'll send we'll send them to you don't worry about it try it on you know we, you also have to place trust to get it back you have to give trust to get it back and that also that also comes with uh, it's not always, it doesn't always work out we've made our mistakes doing the same thing tell me a story tell me a story where you made a mistake without probably naming the person of course i'm not going to name anyone but you know we bought an 8 lakh shoe with a 10000 rupee deposit <laughs> and then we were strung on for that payment for like 3 months and oh god and it looked like shit on us cuz we couldn't pay the seller on time and oh my lord horrid horrid yeah. and you know it takes me back to this one time i attended this panel discussion with like this some business woman way back it was an oml event called the coalition wonderful wonderful event there was this panel with someone and this one founder was talking about you know when you're like starting a business you can't have any hang ups you got to pull every favor you got to hang your head down apologize every stage you look like she looked like shit and you know i tweeted this at some point it's you know a large part of building this business is just being misunderstood uh, you know you don't have this intention it seems like you do very often and and it's sometimes with people you really care about and you have to let them go because just this business survival is key it's just a survival situation so you you live and you learn and yeah it happens what i've seen is when you're asking such a huge amount of money right that's your 5 lakh rupee shoe so it's a fairly big amount It's not just the transaction of hey I give you the shoe and you give me the money. It's more about creating the experience that comes in between. Let's say um, experience this this experience that Chanel gave me. That so you select the product that take you to the first floor in London. There's a there's a room which is wrapped in leather. Doesn't matter. Extremely unnecessary stuff, but but just makes you feel good. That's the whole idea of luxury. it's not about practicality and and when you when you come back home and you hold that product probably the quality is similar to the t-shirt that i'm wearing right now which is probably 120th the the cost you know it's not that the quality is margin like you know hugely different it's only marginally different what i'm trying to understand is i don't see this happening a lot in india have you ever thought of it or if you have how does main street make sure that that experience of buying is extremely like luxurious you know we 
can't afford that room <laughs> and a first floor and all of that right now while we would love to uh, a lot of experiences just in conversation uh like i say you know this whole bit of white feels weird to say our top customers are customers is they're all like buddies now like they're best friends with my team and you know they value that relationship because of the conversation that comes with they talk to someone who they trust they talk to someone before taking that decision they have someone whose opinion matters to them there's someone who they will drunk dial <laughs> at like 2 a.m and you know bitch about other resellers or some shit like that and uh it's an experience is not only money experience is energy when you enter the store how are you taken care of how are you spoken to what what is done for you how are you how warm are you meet if you how hospitable it's hospitality you know very often look to hire from hospitality as opposed to sales or you know fashion i've 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 looked to hire from hospitality quite a few times and i've interviewed quite a few people when i'm looking at cvs where i see someone's worked in hospitality i'm like oh that's interesting cuz i want someone to feel taken care of and you know very often i find myself standing in like a nice hotel and looking at someone just doing a horrible job of what they're supposed to do and in my head i'm like bro do you understand you're in the hospitality industry i'm feeling anything but like hosted right now the least of what you're doing is being hospitable like you know today i was i was at a coffee shop in the hotel i'm staying at and i was sitting with a with a business associate and we're leaving and uh with this guy's paying and he hands him a 2000 rupee note and there was change this guy was like i don't have that much change and this guy was can you just give me like 500s or whatever or 52000s or something like that he was like sir this is all we have like why don't you get it from the front desk i was like bro the five star hotel you're telling this guy to go to the front desk and get it for himself why can't you just give it to him and you go take it like you're not supposed to be taking care of these people here it's those stupid things that really tick me off is that do you understand what your real job is you here to take care of people which is why our you know our sales guys are not really title sales guys they're client servicing executives you're here to service people you are not here to sell you're here to service this man first that means if he comes to you and says i'm getting a better deal here elsewhere either you match that or you tell that person that that is a better deal you don't talk shit about another seller just because also uska nakli nikla to wagera wagera you That's the last thing that someone on our team would ever do is talk shit about someone. They would tell you, "Oh, that's a great deal. Like, go get it." We we don't care about this one sale. We care about acquiring their trust long term. We care about the fact that they are not paying us to take care of them, but the organization is paying them to take care of the customers. And your job is to take care of these people. That does involve helping them when they want to buy. and sure you can make those suggestions but you better not you better not say something to them that you don't mean or that you don't believe in because that is a complete violation of what you are here to do and the experience that you are here to build and that's a core of what separates us essentially very interesting and there's something which always um, now this is going to come from a partial place of ignorance because i don't know a lot about how offline stores work so so enlighten me here but i've seen that how do you there's a fine line between a customer that is not so serious and somebody who is just doing window shopping and how do you take them seriously or not take them seriously because there's you know you 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 may offend somebody really easily 
even somebody who's not a buyer and that could lead to negative reviews it's called uh, profiling uh and again i know probably less about like retail shop setups than you do you know for us it was just a thing that happened um the we're not a high volume business you know we don't because it's such a niche industry uh 9 or 10 people who walk into the store know where they're going uh that being said you know so we're lucky enough to have like our in stock conversions are like 30% uh it's ludicrous but um you know that's because we're a, a low volume high conversion business right now uh that being said there are people who come to check it out and basic philosophy is you take care of everyone the same way no question about it we know we know as soon as someone walks in almost that okay this person does not know about the world of sneakers and you can you can tell outside on the street also it's very easy to tell a sneakerhead from not a sneakerhead it's everyone just speaks a language and you can almost spot um that being said each person is taken care of the same way we've had people walk in like while walking their dogs and just because of the aura they eventually do get into it and they shop it's also because bombay people have so much money but you know it's uh, it's either way i think it's just a perk of basic philosophy that you set in place with the organization has there been like a story uh, where somebody who's not interested in sneakers at all just came to your shop and ended up becoming like a like a full blown sneakerhead we've seen a lot of people go from not sneakerhead to full sneakerhead and it's reached a stage where you can almost predict right so if i'm talking to some business person and if their curiosity about the industry is at a certain level i can almost tell that this is the cause of you know this is a slippery slope that they're approaching and this is the cause that they're going to take towards being full blown sneakerhead basis their current few data points like their current spend patterns their current lifestyle the level of curiosity their enthusiasm of a certain different things you can tell when someone's about to get into it i've seen it happen that oh today it's oh how does this business work tomorrow it's oh how much is this shoe selling for oh is this shoe available <laughs> i want to get it as a gift oh what about and then it's just every drop and the next thing you know they're waking up at 7:30 am sitting on the nike website with like six different monitors and like i'm going to get all <laughs> and the next thing you know they've started like a resale page called like drip connect or something <laughs> it's like everybody just it's slip slippery slope this is all over the place right i've i know like a bunch of people who have these small small pages where they're just trading these shoes it's amazing it's amazing dude it's empowerment you understand sneakers are making like a large part of the youth of this country like financially literate these kids would not have cared about a lot of these people would not have cared about investment or would not have been making nearly as much money you know very often i look at sneakers as a financial instrument and it's like a stock market where fundamental analysis is preloaded because the status value that it plays you know aaj you buy bata ka share or you buy nalco or you buy lnt uh, great investment sure you know long term <laughs> wealth building compounding everything amazing but when you walk out on the street it's not on your chest in a box logo it's not on your feet like you know sorry you're not you're not impressing any women with this not that sneakers impress a lot of women <laughs> uh who am i kidding right no woman has been like wow he's a sneakerhead <laughs> 
It's quite the opposite. They're like, ugh. They're like, ugh. He's a sneakerhead. Like, is it? What's the connotation attached to it? I don't know. Like, for women, it's like comic books or whatever. Oh, this kid's such a nerd type. Or like, ugh. He's not gonna like. He's like, there's no conversation here. This kid is only gonna talk about his shoes. Might as well like you know, <laughs> eat dinner with a wall or some shit. Uh, but it changes. There are women who are into fashion. I mean, the thing is, that's what's cool about it. Right? Your, your interaction is not zero or a hundred. It's not a test. You could just be a little bit intense. It's a part of your fashion, or it's your everything. In which case, it's even annoying for people like me. <laughs> okay, this is literally my life. <laughs> I've betted. I've bet everything I have on this. But if it's your everything, I don't want to hang out with you. I'm sorry. When I get home from work, this is not what I want to be doing. Personally speaking, this is not not your brand, not your business, but. But what are you going through as somebody who's running a business? How how is the journey going? Ah, uh, it's definitely hard, dude. You know, I was telling you before this. It's it's basically like a. Ah, uh, it's it's like a war you're fighting. Every day is a new battle, and you have to numb yourself to it. You can't let it get to you. It happens at times, and personally, I'm at a stage where every decision I'm taking is just performance oriented. I'm not looking for any sort of work-life balance. I'm not looking for anything. Anything that I really personally want, I have to somehow integrate it into a performance metric, and this somehow help in the big picture. Because I feel like I'm at a stage in my life where the next few years I can just you know give it my everything, and I want to do just that. I don't want to look back and be like, shit, you know, if I work longer hours, if I done this or whatever. So that means that okay, if clocking out of work at eight p.m. means better annual performance because i would be better rested or a slept better than that's what i'll do you know that's that's basically where i'm at personally and that's what i'm going through right now i'm at a transitionary stage where i'm learning to work harder i'm learning to work smarter i'm learning to evaluate measure learning to do the harder things that i normally couldn't do learning to face a lot of things and be more like optimized for time Learn to take on more liability and bigger risks. It's fun. It's exciting. I'm living my dreams. Can't complain. Interesting. What's the fuss about work-life balance? I I don't get it. What's What's it for you? Two people can't be on the same side of this argument. That's very dangerous. <laughs> we will We will cause a lot of mass destruction. You One of us has to advocate for it. Only that it's. <laughs> If if both of us advocate against work-life balance, then we are just toxic people. <laughs> this is not a good scene at all. <laughs> But yeah, like I said, for me, it's um, I'm very lucky to you know be able to put that in. I don't think everyone is. I'm very grateful for the privilege, and I want to use it well. And that's just what I'm doing. I'm gonna start a streetwear brand tomorrow. What are the core components that? Uh, a person like me who knows probably nothing. Of course, I'll do my research. But before I do that, what are the core components of starting a streetwear brand in India? Okay, core components is you want to build something that has a certain value to an end consumer in the eyes of a third person. It's people get very harped on story and material and quality. Is are you gonna be able to sell it? You're not starting a streetwear brand. You're starting a business. Unless you have infinite money, which is great, then do whatever you want. If you don't have infinite money, then please look at it as a business first, and modify your product and experiment with it till it reaches such a point where it's selling like a brand should. Please look at it as a business first. Learn how to run a business first. 
that is what's more important than anything your quality and all the very fun things to talk about but the shittiest product in the world has been sold and built a fantastic business and the greatest product in the world has not been sold and shut down as a business so the most important thing for learning how to make clothing is not learning how to make clothing it's learning how to manage your money and how to make money and how to sell your clothing that's what's most important uske baad you do what you want whatever if you're at the right place at the right time you can make anything cool so what i'm consistently seeing is that it's it's not really about the quality of the product of course it is but after after a threshold point probably you know it's about selling a story that's that's what makes a collectible special so the story the quality they're all tertiary not even say i say the tertiary entities first and the most important is can it sell okay now will that person come back will that person wear the product all of those are a result of your all those are result of the story the result of the product quality all of that the first thing have you been able to sell it how are you going to sell it why would people buy it are they buying it because of quality then you sell the quality are they buying it because of how it looks to other people what is the most sellable part what is what is that something that's really going to make it sellable it's key uske of course then it's important for it to be very authentic to you when you want to build story and you want to sell a story then okay you build on a story but all of that is still subset of first thing is can it sell then you want to sell it like this like this like that, you decide but sell is not optional everything else is optional even if you want to make a garbage product that you have an excellent sales strategy you make sure everybody buys one super cheap product you still have big margin this million people in india should buy one each ban gaya business is done you just want to sell this much khatam then the next one whatever but that is the one thing that's non negotiable mm-hmm. in a business paise to kamane very interesting so in in this business now when you say can it sell what decides like is is there one core thing that decides can it sell or not or is it is there a combination of a couple of things yaar ye to hona hi chahiye agar ye bikna hai to it's 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 not objective and that's a problem with it that's what i'm trying to tell you that it's not a quality or a story metric now that is core to you that is a product of your experimentation and what equilibrium will you find of product story and design you know it's quality so what equilibrium will make it sell for you who are you talking to who are you making wear it who's wearing it because they want to who's seeing it in what light how does it look like to who where are you positioning it where are you selling it how available is it how have you sent it out there how you know what's your website like what is your instagram like what is your social like it's very nuanced dude none of these things can be answered on a call and anything that you can even answer is a very retrospective story i can tell you that this person did this and it worked for them but even if that person did all of those same things again probably won't happen all these retrospective things are very easy to look at you can read a bunch of twitter threads of how certain someone built and follow it step by step be the most dedicated kid in the world and follow it step but it won't work each of these things is too subjective you need to experiment for yourself there are too many things that you know you can't like you know i read this naval i don't know i'm sure you're familiar with naval ravi kant you know all of our lord and guru our our savior the man himself guruji i was reading his thread today you can watch roger roger federer swing his can you go swing like that after watching a game so why is it that you can read a tweet thread and go and build a business same way please tell me fucking roger can't go look at his own swing and recreate it 
and take the same decision and get there he can't uh, the, the they said the nawal the, the masters uh, the things that they are best at uh, they can't explain it's 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 very personal you have to you have to figure it out yourself tell me some businesses that you follow right ravikanth is one he's a he's now a philosopher entrepreneur but in india tell me uh, do, you, do you look out for some entrepreneurs some businesses indian nawal ravikanth kunal shahin <laughs> <laughs> ब्रिलियंटमैन I have some mentors in my life that are really valuable um to me that I was again very lucky to spend time with and you know they're businessmen who are not very out there on social and things like that but I've just had the good fortune of spending time with them closely and having them bet on me and uh, you know those are things that like those conversations are everything like because I get first hand real time reflective advice which is huge I've also like you know luckily had the privilege of having coffee with Kunal and uh, having him also interact with us on several occasions and it's, it's, that's i'm so grateful to it's amazing do you do you jam with your father when it comes to businesses of course and that goes without saying right my dad is everything i everything because of him and my mom my dad and i you know as far like my whole like journey with business started when i was like 10 years old and i asked my dad for an ipod cuz it just looked so cool right and he was like you know who made the ipod I was like of course not dad I'm 10. <laughs> like kind of question is that and, and he goes you know there's this dude named Steve Jobs who started Apple and then he got kicked out of Apple and he started Pixar and then he came back to Apple and I just made this bloody iPod and I was like in my head at that time I was like so iPod iPod and Toy Story this man is single handedly responsible for both of these things and my mind was just blown at the level of like day to day impact that this one dude has had and and again in retrospect i realized that that is what like really got me like out of bed every day it's like this is what i want to do for the longest time it was i want to be ceo of apple is yehi karna yehi karna i think when i was 15 or something i made a bet to the classmate and i was like you know 10 years i'll be ceo of apple and i'll give $1000 in my head it was either you'll be this thing or $1000 to bach jayenge matlab 10 saal ka bet like 10 years i was hedging my risk i was like 1000 1000 to bach jayenge it's with with but chalo it's okay uh and yeah sure enough i don't see myself becoming ceo of apple or even accepting that as a role if it's given actually i don't know maybe i would i don't know do you remember that moment when he when he released uh, macbook air he brought it in an envelope like an office bruv you don't understand who you are talking to in my free time my <laughs> lunch i watch all apple keynotes <laughs> okay what's your favorite one bro of course is the iphone man that's like come on first iphone is like a whole different like that is like that is to worldwide like life changing like it's a phenomena of energy in the way he presents it like is everything dude he's a star performer like i have a like me being an entrepreneur is part of my passion for being a performing artist i'm not just like i'm like as much as i like to i'd hate to admit it 
I'm I I care about that. I I love the idea of like that attention and that stardom and that fame and all of that. And I'm I'm open about it now. You know, like it's not easy for a businessman to admit. It, it's very common for them to be like, oh, you know, I don't. But it's true, and it's a part of running a business. You know, investors don't bet on at least early stage just business. They bet on promoter group. They're literally putting a monetary value to you as a person and your performance here. You're judged on your you're a performing artist, and Steve is you know is the greatest of them all. Like I was telling of. Neeraj Chopra came to the store yesterday, and I was flipping. I was fully flipping. I thing is that you know we've had a lot of lot of very interesting uh, celebrities come to the store. You know, very lucky like that. We have big shots from Ranveer Singh, Ranveer Kapoor, all shot with us, and you know it's great. And I've never really flipped like this as much as it's a big deal to us. And there was an employee of mine. I was like, "Bro, you don't even know about this guy a month ago. Like, calm down. I wasn't in Bombay. I'm in Delhi, so I couldn't even be there. And it's very upsetting for me." And my immediate reaction was, "Bro, like, I am. I sure I didn't know about him, but what this dude has done from an impact standpoint is, I would love to be there." And I was trying to tell him that you know he's literally like the, like you know I was trying to tell him that you know big shot CEOs that I otherwise would flip about. Are the business parallel to Olympic gold medalists, and they're the same thing, you know. An organization is a pro sports team. Each individual is a performer. CEO is usually the star of the show. You are a performing artist. You are a, you are an athlete. You are all of that. Especially now with the internet and with media coverage and all of that, it's become more a performing art now than ever. Vlogging, really want to talk about it. How do you start? What was what was that daily vlog all about, man? I watched a couple of them. Fun. I I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I I I came across um, uh, what are you boosted? I think you you imported boosted, and boosted was all the rage, right? Because Casey Casey Neistat was all the rage for me also, dude. As a kid, I started watching Casey Neistat for a while at a time when I had a lot of ambition but no work ethic. Uh, and I didn't have anything going for myself. Okay, I had a lot of ideas and ambition, and I used to watch this guy in utter fear that Jesus Christ, this dude like films his whole day, and then he makes a ten-minute film out of it every day. Every day. Uh, what the fuck is this guy smoking? <laughs> like that's that's crazy. And the worst part about this was I was not looking at it in as much admiration as much as it was fear that I would never be able to. And I was a very feared. I'm still a very fear-driven person. It's something that I battle with myself every day. Is the amount of fear that I deal with. And one day I had this idea. I I, I talked myself into it. I said, you know, what if, you know, you start telling the internet about your goals for the day. Eventually, like you know, you're a pretty conscious person. Eventually, you'll be too embarrassed to screw it up. So I, 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 you know, I tricked myself saying, "Chalo, you know, phone per record kar lena, and just make a three to five minute video, bus. That's all. Start. Just do it, and it'll keep you accountable. Eventually, you know, you'll get to your goals of starting a business or whatever. Sure enough, I, I was like, no, no time to think. Aaj idea hai, kal shuru karna hai. Wake up early tomorrow, start. And I woke up next morning and I did it. I said, "Chalo, if I do it for seven days straight." I'll tell people, and I'll make it a thing. Seven days I uploaded, I uploaded chupchap, 
didn't say a word to anyone the eighth day i told people and i kept going and it just kept and i was properly rip, i wasn't you know it was very common for people to say well casey nice that rip off yeah whatever it was more of me like utilizing a filmmaking style that i was inspired of to tell my story is what it was and it was a thrill and i went on for 700 days i don't think anyone in india has done 700 days of daily blogging i went from 0 to 700 days with no audience that is the that's what's when i look back that's what's insane to it that there were times and first of all i had a 2009 imac this was 2018 or 17 i think it was 8 years old this computer which meant that it took 3 hours to render a video on final cut which meant that i had to finish editing before i slept so there are times when i'm like dying to sleep at like 3 am and editing a video and i just think to myself that jesus christ nobody cares no one cares about this video no one cares about this vlog and i'm still here like you know fighting and battling to do this and you know that was the hardest part and i still had to do it and then i have to wake up put it for upload or if i woke up and it failed render i have to take my hard disk and go to a friend's house who didn't know shit about video editing but had a basic macbook air and a basic macbook air rendered that same video in 3 minutes 3 minutes so i'm just like oh this is hard very hard time of my life but i started that 700 day journey with nothing and i ended that 700 day journey with running three businesses and um and yeah it was it was interesting it changed everything it gave me everything like i look at blogging as my college my school my everything it was phenomenal extremely inspiring dude like acha laga sunke you know that's that's the only thing i can say bahut acha laga sunke that something like this happened and just just for the audience right so i i follow ravikant a lot and he says and i big believer of public accountability whenever i feel like acha bhai ye karna life mein i make sure that after i'm i'm certain about not certain you never certain but like i'm it certain enough that okay i want to try this i tell people around me and i think that's what you are trying to do and when you do that it, it feels embarrassing when you don't do it so you know people around you remind you ki bhai kar le you know do it you better do it yeah we are almost at the end of the episode we do this very uh, small segment which is called the rapid fire segment it's me trying to become karan jor and just trying to fulfill my bollywood fantasies bahut simple sa section hai it's rapid fire quick quick questions quick answers uh, no time thinking are you ready of course born ready one one starter that inspires you in india cred one that irritates you nothing can irritate me man okay one that you don't believe in you can't do startup is not a in the moment question it's always uh, okay there's a company that makes like digital business cards and i'll be like scube is it i think so and you know i might in the moment when someone tells me about it i'll be a little bit dismissive of it because i feel like business cards are a dying concept like scheduled television broadcast why does it exist because tata sky wants it to exist and they have that much distribution so i look at someone who's digitizing business cards and be like prav whatsapp has a share contact feature kya kar rahe ho so it doesn't irritate me might not believe in in the moment but it's not what it is i might not believe in that concept but as a startup it can very well fail and pivot and build into something else and that's the beauty of it which is why i'll never say i don't believe in something i believe in something because you never know what will happen okay one thing about entrepreneurship that you're not really fond of 
टाइम कंजम्पन अनसर्टनटी एक्चुअली नो दैट्स फन अनसर्टनटी इज फन गिल्टी प्लेजर जंग जंग फूड एंड लाइक ओल्ड टी वी शोज Tell me, tell me this one TV show which you which you like watching. I am currently rewatching Doctor House. Doctor House, I've never seen this. I'll try. Books, movies, whichever you consume more. Uh, three favorite favorite books and movies. Currently reading a book called How I Almost Blew It by Siddharth Rao. It's wonderful. Uh, very comforting to a businessman because you read about massive businesses and oh, even they almost failed at a time, and it's like oh, you also. It's like Jesus, if that's <laughs> you know if they survived that, then I can probably make it. uh so you know i absolutely love the book uh other than that what's another couple of books i've read uh, zero to one peter thiel mm mashallah beautiful book and uh my dad's book dude romancing the balance sheet really popular of course yeah it's uh, no that I, i read it very late and i was like jesus like i should have read it a long time ago and i've heard that from everyone who's read it So yeah, plug the man, Doctor Lamba himself. Really cool man. One life mantra. One thing that you repeat yourself every single day. Like I have a lot of smaller like business mantras. Like the like the decision making philosophy is what I look at it as. For example, you know, when uh, you end up having to disagree with someone, like okay, I don't have to make everyone happy. You don't have to make everyone happy. You shouldn't be afraid to say no. I think that's something that I struggle with. I struggle to say no. So can you do this? Yes. No, but you have to learn to say no is power. No, no, it's power. Learn, learn to say no. Fun time talking to you. I feel that uh, now I'm a little more interested because of this episode into the entire culture. Hopefully, I'll be that one customer who comes to the shop with a blank mind and then leaves with probably a couple of bags at least. Slippery slope, slippery <laughs> slope. Be careful. Thank you so much, Drew. Thank you so much for coming on the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for the time. Really fun time talking thank to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really good time. I'll catch you soon.